You're listening to Forgotten Factor, Hemophilia Discussed. I'm Shelley Horowitz. In each episode, I'll discuss issues impacting our hemophilia community with a focus on women with hemophilia and mild hemophilia. Today, I am going to share with you a column that first appeared in Hemophilia News Today on June 23rd, 2020, titled, Women Need Early Factor Level Testing. Women need early factor level testing. Not all medical visits are created equal. Sadly, or perhaps horrifyingly, some women must fight to get access to the most basic of care, while others are fortunate enough to access it easily. While this reality is not okay, it is imperative for the health of women in the hemophilia community that gender discrimination be put aside. Most boys born into families with known cases of hemophilia are tested shortly after birth for factor VIII deficiency and at the six-month mark for factor IX deficiency. Factor IX does not reach its normal levels until that age. This is done so that the newborn male child will be protected should a bleeding incident occur. In contrast, girls born into families with known cases of hemophilia, even those known to be obligate carriers of hemophilia, may go years without a basic blood screening for factor levels. This is not an incredibly expensive test, yet it can be life-saving. It is critical for parents to know if their female children have low factor levels for the same reason it's critical with male children. Finding out late. My sister was five, and I was 10, when we were first tested. At the time, our parents were told that, while our factor levels were lower than average, we had enough factor for hemostasis and would be fine in an emergency. That was in the 80s, when they lacked the knowledge to know that we actually did need factor replacement products. I am so grateful the doctors got it wrong. It saved us both from being exposed to tainted factor products. Today, my sister and I know we have mild hemophilia. Because we are aware, we can be proactive and protect ourselves in accidents, before major surgeries, or if we have excessive bleeding for any reason. We are both lucky. We are both connected to hemophilia treatment centers, and we both have hematologists who believe us and support women with mild hemophilia. Sadly, this is not always the case. Just this past week, I heard from two different women who were wondering whether or not they had hemophilia. Both of these women have sons with hemophilia. Both of them have been denied a test of their own factor levels, despite bleeding issues. When I interviewed Carol Casper for Hemophilia News Today, she emphasized the need for every female connected to a male with hemophilia to have their factor levels tested. Why is it that a highly esteemed expert understands and promotes this, and yet multiple mothers of hemophiliac children are denied a basic test to determine if they also have hemophilia? I was in my 30s when I learned I had low factor levels. 
My sister was in her 40s. Some women report they are in their 60s when they finally get the testing and care they need. This is not okay. Asking for a factor assay test. If you are a woman who is directly related to a male with hemophilia, your own factor levels should be tested as a basic standard of care, even if you do not have significant bleeding issues. Sometimes individuals with mild hemophilia have a lot of bleeding, and other times they do not. Reports of bleeding tendencies are not a definitive way to rule out factor deficiencies. A blood test is needed. Ideally, at the moment a male child is diagnosed with a bleeding disorder, medical professionals would immediately encourage all women connected to that male, mother, sister, aunt, perhaps even grandmother, to be tested as well. This is for the safety of all connected women. This does happen at some hemophilia treatment centers and with some physicians, but not with all. If you are a woman who has a close relative with hemophilia and have been denied a factor level test, ask again. Your doctor may not understand that women can also have hemophilia. Explain to your doctor that due to a process called lionization or X inactivation, women can also have hemophilia. If the medical professional still denies the testing, considering asking them to note in your medical record that your request for the test was denied and ask them to list the reasons. Often the request to document a refusal is a powerful tool in discussing the necessity of testing. Just like males with hemophilia, the earlier a female is diagnosed, the better. It is important that our girls with hemophilia are found, diagnosed, and properly cared for. We want them to live their best lives possible. They deserve to be protected and safe from the beginning of their precious lives. While women are learning to advocate for testing, ideally, medical professionals must take the lead to educate and initiate. So as you can see by the date, just back in June, I did not write this column that long ago. Some of my episodes are based on columns written over a year ago, but this one is more recent. And I have to say, I find it so disturbing that there are so many women out there who do not have, who do not know their factor levels, who haven't had them tested, who have no clue. And I find it really scary on so many different levels. I can't believe that there are many hematologists and and hemophilia treatment centers out there who get really focused on a new male who's been diagnosed, perhaps a baby at the time of circumcision, and they get their hemophilia diagnosis and all of their focus and treatment goes onto the care of the child. And of course, the child needs care and needs to have that attention. And sometimes the families are reeling in shock. Maybe it's the first known case of hemophilia in the family. But that doesn't negate the need to understand 
that hemophilia is a genetic disease. And when someone has hemophilia, there's a good chance that it's been passed to them by one of their parents. Now, not always. Hemophilia can be a, a spontaneous mutation. We know that. But there are many times when it isn't a spontaneous mutation, and it runs in generation after generation in a family. And we see all the men getting diagnosis and treatment, and we see the woman just left to the side. And many women will say, oh, but you know, I'm not bleeding. I don't have an issue. I'm fine. It's normal. But what they may not realize is that what they think to be normal is not normal. I thought I had normal periods growing up. I didn't know any better. They were my periods. They were normal for me. And and yes, I would have flooding sometimes. And sometimes I'd kind of hold my breath when I was on my period and I was standing up because I was afraid it was going to flood and I didn't want it to leak on my pants because that was horrifying. And I did have a few of those awful school moments where where I leaked through, but I just kind of thought that happened to everyone. I mean, you've definitely heard stories from other women. And I just, I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to run to the bathroom every 30 to 60 minutes to change my pad. I just thought that's what everyone did. And, and I didn't understand it. And it wasn't until I did a PBAC, which is a pictorial um, assessment of blood loss. It's really cool. Um, HFA actually in their sisterhood app has a program where you can put in your you what you do is you bring up their program and you list your tampons and the pads that you're using and it gives you a PBAC score to see what your blood loss is during your period. So I actually used their app at age 44 or 45. It was 44. And I brought the results to a surgeon who was debating with me whether or not I needed to have a hysterectomy. And that day, at age 44, when I met with my surgeon, I learned that I lost as much blood in one day of my period as most women lose in seven to 10 days of their period. And that was eye-opening for me because I thought the amount of blood I was losing was normal and that my complaining about my period was no different than anyone complaining about their period. So I think that we as women get stuck in this pattern of believing our experiences to be normal and not wanting to cause problems. And, you know, we need to hold our families together and we need to be strong. And we don't necessarily ask for help well for ourselves. And, and we get caught in this trap, a, a really dangerous trap of not getting the help we need. And I just don't want to see women continue to be in that position. The other thing that I find really fascinating is that a lot of a lot of women themselves will refuse testing. They'll say, well, I don't bleed like my severe son, so therefore I don't need help. And we may not bleed like the severe men in our lives, but that doesn't mean that we don't have our own mild bleeding issues that need to be addressed and can have significant impact on our quality of life, if not now, later, as we end up with joint damage or other problems. And I think it's important for us to remember that we need to not compare our bleeding to severe hemophiliacs in our lives, but 
to ourselves and what one might expect for mild bleeding and mild hemophilia. So women will compare and then they won't go get tested. I know women who are obligate carriers. They got hemophilia from their fathers. They have sons with hemophilia and they don't know their own factor levels. And it's it's problem it's a problem for their own health. And I also think of young moms who just delivered a hemophiliac son and they don't know their levels. And frankly, we need to be healthy to take care of our children and our sons. And I would say that it's even more critical that a mom with hemophilia get tested right away because she needs to know her levels because if she's in an accident or something happens to her, she needs to be protected so that she can live a long life for herself and for her child with hemophilia. And I I want us as women to stop discounting our own needs for healthcare. It's really, really important that we band together and that we make sure that our community is being tested. Another thing that I want to say with testing is that with mild hemophilia in particular, we know that there are some mutations out there, actually up to 30% of all mutations, that actually show a lower factor level when a chromogenic factor test is used. It tends There tends to be more of a discrepancy with hemophilia A than hemophilia B, but um, the discrepancy can be there. And the chromogenic is a is a two-step assay, whereas the normal one is a one. And it actually measures the, the factor eight a little further along the, the clotting cascade. So it gives a little better picture of how it's working. And I believe if I remember correctly, and please in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that it measures factor eight by actually looking at how well it binds nine to 10. So it, it's a much more accurate assay. I know myself personally, my percentage, my factor eight percentage goes down by about a third when, when using a chromogenic. So I would also say to women who are being tested that you might want to request the chromogenic factor assay test just to make sure you're getting the most accurate diagnosis possible. And I would also say that if you've been tested a few times and you really feel you're having bleeding issues, at that point, I would really push to have a chromogenic factor assay if you haven't already, just to get the most accurate, absolute most accurate possible results, because you want to know exactly what you're dealing with, with levels. And then, of course, our factor levels don't always correlate with the actual bleeding tendencies we have. So sometimes someone can have really low factor levels and do well and not bleed. And sometimes they can have higher ones and bleed all the time. My nephew and I, our factor levels are only four points different. I'm four points higher than him, but I bleed significantly more than he does. So it happens and we have to deal with that. And it's really important that we're treating the the bleeds as well. But factor levels are still an important place to start. So please, please, if you have any woman in your life genetically connected to family members with hemophilia, please, please encourage them to get their initial factor levels drawn if they have not. And I guess I would say on a final note, if there are any 
doctors, nurses, physicians listening to to my little podcast, please, please encourage women to get tested. We want to keep everyone safe and we want to know that if a woman does indeed have mild hemophilia, that if they're in an accident or need surgery, that they're going to be well protected just like their male counterparts. We love our community. We love all the women in our community. You are worth it. Get tested. Take care of yourself. We want you here for a really long time. We want you to be active and healthy and in our community. I welcome your comments. If you have any requests for specific columns to be turned into podcasts with commentary, let me know. I'd be happy to hear your feedback. This is Shelley Horowitz. You're listening to Forgotten Factor Hemophilia Discussed, and I look forward to you joining me next time. We love you guys. We're a great community.